You are listening to Tani Talks Radio, the share where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. This week is dedicated Le'iloi Nishmas Izzy Chait Alava Shalom Le'iloi Nishmas Yisrael Meir Ben Yochanan Alava Shalom. And of course, it's also dedicated to my baby niece who only had five days with us on this earth. She passed last week. Her name is Ruchama Tikva. Bas Eliezer David. There is a beautiful, wonderful, hauntingly beautiful campaign that is being dedicated for her namesake, for her memory. They're trying to make, we are trying to make, the whole family is trying to make a Ruchama Tikva Mikvah for those people who need secrecy, who need privacy, who need to have the added benefit of a a very beautiful but humble mikvah experience. The Chesed Project has it. The Chesed Fund has it. You can look up the Ruchama Tikva Mikvah at the Chesed Project. The Chesed Fund, excuse me, where you'll see the entire story, the entire example of what happened and how important this is in the general sphere. Of course, Pesach is about to be upon us in just less than 48 hours. It is hard to imagine. It's hard to believe. Pesach is coming in just 48 hours. For those of you who thought that Pesach is closer than it should appear, you know, it says in the rearview mirror, objects are closer than they may appear. I've seen the meme where it shows the word Pesach, and it's objects and closer and mirror are closer are sooner than they appear. Of course, it's coming upon us very soon. And oftentimes when we think of Pesach, when we think of the holiday, we think of Passover, the question becomes, what do we focus on? What do we think about? What do we see? What do we try to partition to ourselves? What do we try to focus on for the holiday itself? So some people, some aspects talk about the idea of freedom. What is freedom? True freedom. Freedom to follow in the ways of Hashem. Freedom to follow in the Torah and the mitzvahs and the chesed of Hashem. Freedom. A person who's really free. There's no greater person who's really free except for someone who actually follows in the ways of Hashem. And we talked about this on different aspects and different ways, of course, on the different shirim, the Tani Talks podcast forums and on the different shows and shirim that we have that are available on all podcast forums. But... I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on a different idea we talked about the other year as well. The idea of expertise. We're talking about expert level Pesach. How do we get to ourselves to be an expert in different areas and different aspects? And when it comes to Pesach, how could be an expert in that in that way as well? In that aspect as well. When a person thinks about the idea of being an expert, when a person thinks about how to be an expert in their own life, and I apologize, the the attached microphone is not is not uh, staying on so well. I'm trying to keep fixing it. When we talk about the idea of an expert, what does it really mean? But of course, first we think about the aspect. We think about the fact that we need to be free in our own way, free in our own life. It's not free to pursue whatever we want to do materialistically or hedonistically. God forbid. The truly free person is the person that follows in the ways of Hashem. There's no greater freedom than being involved in Torah, being involved in mitzvahs, being involved in chesed, doing what we can to make the world a better place. When you're really involved in wonderful projects and wonderful aspects and wonderful aspects of the life, that's really where you feel true fulfillment. That's where you feel truly truly taken care of and truly involved in the aspect and truly involved in different areas of life. I will tell you that when I run my podcast, I run my shirub. I feel very motivated. I feel very fulfilled, especially when I feel the message comes right from Hashem and inspires and motivates me to say what I can through my own way and through my own life 
And, of course, in my side projects of the Fine Five, when I finally get it accomplished and fulfilled, I really feel happy with that. Baruch Hashem, God willing. This year we have a version coming out for Pesach. We had a major version that came out for Hanukkah. We had a different version that came out in the summer. And now hopefully we have a great version coming out for Pesach as well. Fine Five is a project that I've been involved in for years, for years. I've had this idea, you know, since Corona hit and I was thinking and sitting down one day thinking about, you know, how can it be that we can find a Jewish version of Where's Waldo? What should I call it? What should it be? What are the characters? What are the items? And I had all these ideas going around my brain thanks to Hashem's ideas, of course, that he put into my brain. And lo and behold, I cultivated over the years and finally found someone who's involved in the project and happy to be involved in the project, Baruch Hashem, currently at this time in 2023. And it was a, a, a project that I cultivated for years and I had to develop exactly how I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a book one day. I would love for it to be an animated series, an animated show, and an animated website. I would love to be like characters and toys involved as well. Swivel toys. You can imagine the, the Funko popped kind of toys, the Hobdil, and uh, action figures involved in Fievel and the items I can invent. I can envision Eichler selling such a thing in a package. And I can envision that it really becomes into a book, into a series, and having, you know, word finds and crossword puzzles and word scrambles involved in this as well. And when it comes to any aspect, if you put your heart into it, you can become an expert in any aspect of what you're doing. And as we come upon Pesach, how can we be experts in our own self? How can we be experts in being involved in Pesach and bringing Pesach and bringing Pesach to our lives and Pesach to our homes? People go crazy for Pesach. Unfortunately, they make it into spring cleaning. That's not what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have a clean home, yes, clean of chametz, but it doesn't have to be clean of every speck of dirt on earth. You know, yes, you got to switch over your kitchen, you wipe down the counters, you wipe down the, the oven, you burn out the oven, and uh, you... Boil out the stainless steel sink if you have one like we have and you gotta cover the counters and, you know, wipe down the floors and whatnot and, you know, I, I dry vacuumed the basement and I, and I dry mop the, the upper floors, the attic and the bedroom floor and of course, you know, dry vacuum the rugs that we have and sweep up throughout the house but we wanted to be that we could go about it and we could expertize ourselves going through the house and now that we've made Pesach Bar Hashem a, a, a countless number of times Bar Hashem my wife and I are married over 10 years now we just celebrated the 10 year a couple of weeks ago we have to go about and figuring out a way that we can expertize different things in our life as we come to Pesach especially with Bar Hashem our little children energetic children how can you go about it and what can we do so we switch over the kitchen and we switch over and we clean out the rest of the house we try to keep the chametz only in the dining room until we finally fully switch over the night before Pesach itself and then we have to cultivate exactly how to do it in the beginning the first few times especially when we started in Brooklyn in our apartment we didn't have it down to somewhat of a science yet and over the years, Baruch Hashem, we bought the pots, we bought the pans, and every year, every Pesach, I would add to it, got the chillin' pot for Pesach, got the soup uh, crock pot for Pesach, got the kettle, the electric kettle for the Pesach, and got the the urn for Pesach over the years, and I got some trivets and uh, knives for it, and pots and pans, of course, for dairy and meat. 
and over the years got everything necessary and tried to whittle it down to exactly how much we need. Because how much do we really need for eight days? You see the supermarkets, the Jewish supermarkets, they literally switch over everything for Pesach. But how many days is it really? It's eight days, right? And people buy so much stuff. The weird thing is when we don't expertize how we go about buying things for Pesach and making things for Pesach, you're left with so much leftover. And like literally when the clock strikes into Hamid zone after Pesach, it's like everything on Pesach now becomes nauseous. I don't know if you feel this way, but literally any time Pesach is over, all the products, all the items that you're so excited for on Pesach, it like almost gives a, a tiny bit of like, I don't want to eat that. I don't want that anymore. I don't want Pesach cereal. No way. I don't want Pesach pancakes, Pesach uh, waffles. Yuck. After Pesach is done, please get rid of it. I don't want it. So you have all this extra stuff you're never going to use. You're not going to use it. And it's just sitting there and wasted and I don't want to just keep it to, to rot away over the year and I just feel gross to come about it the next year. Even if it's not opened, I feel kind of queasy, you know, coming to it a year later, even if it's technically fine. So we got to find ways to expertise it, you know. So my wife usually gives an exact list of what we need to get. So we made a major shopping last week. We took the kids to the store and, and we got exactly what we needed. We got the the matzah and we got the... Some jars of this, some jars of that, some honey, some ketchup, some mustard, and some syrup, you know, amongst many various other things. And then, of course, as Pesach comes closer the other night, I went back, yes, at nighttime once the kids were sleeping, I went back to the local store right around the corner with the car, of course, to pick up like the romaine lettuce and the apples that needed to be fresher to set up the things for the cedar. And then I had to go back again today because I forgot one item, the candle holders, but really... You can get it down to a couple of trips, and if you set it up exactly what you need to buy, you think about exactly what you need to make. We've made charosin many times over the years with a beautiful recipe with the walnuts and the apples and the, and the grape juice, and, uh, and it ends up tasting really delicious. And the romaine lettuce, we actually got checked romaine lettuce this year, which really saves time, and you just set up salt in the water. I can't believe they actually sell salt water in the supermarkets. I was a guest when I heard a couple of years ago they started selling it for $16 a bottle. You can't actually mix the salt into the water. Are we that lazy? Have we become that crazy? Then we also have to roast the shank bone, of course, and then we, we um, have the hard-boiled eggs. And then you have the matzah, and really we have it down to, you know, almost a science, not really as good as organized as many other families may be, but, you know, what are you going to eat also at the Seder? You don't have to make an 18-course meal. I tell you, every year my wife makes the, the menu, and when we come to Seder, I'm like, we're only going to have soup and maybe a kugel, and she's like, every year we go through this, and every year we're massively, massively tired. You have the korach, you have the the, the matzah, you have the mar. When you come to the meal part of it, not only are you exhausted and tired, you're not even that hungry, so what are you going to make so many things that it's just going to go to waste? And every year at the Seder, at Shulchan Aruch, I say, your wife, you're right, and uh, it's a good thing we didn't make more food at the mealtime so she makes an exact menu which is very often what she does also in general for the weekend for Shabbos which is great so we know exactly what to buy from the store usually I send in an email and they deliver it to us on Wednesday nights kids get very excited when it's delivered and then, and then they can help me unload it although sometimes I'll go in person but you know when we have it down to the menu then we know what we're supposed to have especially on a three day Yom Tov which is intense right three day Yom Tov is very difficult you have Wednesday night into Thursday this year Thursday night into Friday Friday night into Shabbos two days of 
the Chalamoid, really two, three days of the Chalamoid, and then it comes back Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, Thursday, and then it's over Thursday night. It's a week, right? It's just a week, and everybody goes really intense over it. It's probably the most anxiety-provoked holiday of the entire year, even though I find the Yom Naram, the high holidays, actually the most stressful. This might be the most anxiety-provoking to get the house ready, to get yourself ready for Yom Tov. But listen, I have an, a special area of the basement where I keep the Pesach stuff in the corner. I have one big bag of dairy stuff, one big bag of meat stuff. I have the Cholent pot box. I have the, the soup crock pot box. I have the urn box, and that's all in the corner. And then, you know, with my uh, my two sink inserts that I have with the with the washing cups, it's, it's right there, and I keep it there, and we've already done it for years. So when it comes to different things in life, this is not just for Pesach. Also, in terms of Shabbos, and in terms of our week, how can we keep things to expertize in, in a way? We can make it that we can become an expert level, not just a Pesach, but in life. Of course, I'm no expert. I'm just using the word expert very loosely. But when we're able to to categorize things and set up things in a way, I know that the that I sent in the order for the baked goods, our local baker down the block. Sunflower Bakery is excellent. We asked for a couple of gluten-free rolls. We asked for a couple of regular rolls. And then we usually ask for a Shabbos treat. We've been doing the pretzels, Oreo pretzels, and free, which are fantastic, that I usually send him on a Wednesday or Tuesday, a special um, message, and if it's one of the kids' birthdays or my wife or mine, we add something also. Then usually by Tuesday, Wednesday, I send in the order to the grocery store, and then Wednesday night it comes, and then usually by uh, Thursday night when I'm making the, the dinner anyway, it's usually when I make the Shabbos food too, and if I happen to have a Friday off, then I'll usually make it Friday. Friday, I like to put up the chillin'. When the clocks are not changed, I put up in the morning. When we when the clocks are changed and Shabbos starts later, I put up in the afternoon. And really, the whole week goes by by like that. I, I try to have it down to a science to try to make Shabbos in an hour and a half or two. People that take the entire day to make Shabbos, I don't really understand. I don't have that kind of time to do it the whole day. I like it to be an hour and a half, you know, get ready the stuff for the chillum, get ready the stuff for the soup. You know, I make the soup with a broth, and then I add in a little water to dilute it, and then I add in some shredded carrots, some frozen peas, some frozen garlic cubes, and... Um, Either the meat or or chicken or just the vegetables. Add in the. Uh, oftentimes I'll do the frozen onions, although we started doing the fresh onions instead because my wife likes to taste a little better. And then in this in the chillin, we used to do the potatoes, but we felt like the potatoes were taking away all the flavor. So it's really just the garlic cubes, the spices, the ketchup, and the mustard, and the onions and the quinoa or rice base and the and the meat and then zehu and then you know usually I'll heat up some chicken nuggets and. Usually I'll make a kugel. The butternut squash is usually a go-to kugel, whether I do it in the pie crust, whether I do it in the muffin tins, and I started making a pineapple kugel too. And usually a chicken I'll make either with spreaded or a different way. And I like to make those uh, Sweet Lorenz cookies, which are gluten-free, usually the chocolate chip or the chocolate chocolate, a special treat for us as well. And then the broccoli or cauliflower frozen, I usually put on uh, spices and some oil and I put it in the oven and that's it. We'll get it down into an hour and a half. How much do the kids need? Sometimes I'll make noodle stew for shalashidus or, or for them to put in the soup. And that's keeping it scientific. And throughout the week, we have it also down to a science. Sunday night is usually Shabbos leftovers. And Monday night, if it's really a lot of leftovers, otherwise Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are the the in-the-air items. Sometimes we'll do eggs. Sometimes we'll make French toast. Sometimes we'll make pancakes. You know, Sometimes I'll do omelets or hard-boiled eggs. And then usually Thursday is, um, and sometimes the Chinese broccoli with chicken I'll make, or 
or the the Impossible Burgers on Thursday night is usually noodle night. I usually make the uh, mac and cheese the kids love. I do a dairy version and a non-dairy version with uh, with for my son that has allergies. And then on the Thursday night, I usually prepare the Shabbos. So if we could do that for Shabbos, and I'm not an expert by any means, I'm just using the word how we can expertize and have the expertise in our lives to be able to do so. And I apologize of the ASV and the background, which we call attention-seeking behavior when people are very loud in the cars. Sorry about that. But in general, how could we do that to expertise ourselves, to use an expert level in our life when we have things on a rotation, we have things in a set way, and we have things in a routine? I feel very strongly that routine is necessary. Routine is very important for our kids. That's why it's very difficult for me if we break the routine, like if we go visit someone or we come back late or on um you know, in the past when we went to a hotel for a couple of days or whatnot for parts of Pesach or whatnot, and that's hard for me personally. I need the kids to be on the schedule structure. I like it to be 6.30, 7 o'clock that they're already in bed, and then I have my bath days, my bath nights, usually Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, because can't do it every day. It's too difficult. And usually I do Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, maybe Saturday nights for laundry. Also, I have things on a rotation. I have things on a schedule because otherwise it's too difficult. In general, when we're able to ascertain how we could bring an expert skill or knowledge in a certain area and this could be how we could make more levels of performance in our lives not just for Pesach not just for Shabbos but in our lives as well if you have expertise in any area use it talk about it bring it to the world that's why I started the OT podcast because I wanted to use what I learned and I, and I have on the job and I have outside of the job to help families individuals and people in general and I feel like the fine five of the idea came to me and I put it to me in such an expert level he put it into my brain i wanted to share it with the world and i hope for it to to balloon in the future into an actual book and series and beyond i would love for kids to be able to have this book and hold this book not only just to have something published in your name is wonderful but for it to become into a toy into a show into a movie into a website these are all ideas i have going around my head but if you have something to speak about, that's where you go. And Pirkei Avos has always been my favorite safer. And I'm like, if I've gone through Pirkei Avos so many times, let's make it into a show, into a sheer. Parsha always is interesting to me when I could think of some item to talk about. Let's talk about it once a week. And Daf Yomi, I'm doing Daf anyway, and there's so many things we can learn about it. What's one lesson we could take out from a phrase, from a word, from a paragraph of the day? How could we do that? What could we talk about? I'm involved in it anyway, and I love talking, I love audio, I love podcasting, I love going through different topics. So every week, let's talk about it for 45 minutes or so. These are things in my own life I try to use to expertise, and we could do that in our own lives as well. It's a skill. It can be a high level of performance on a particular task or within the domain. You have this status. You can be an expert. And it could be that you have a related term like a virtuoso, a master, a maven, a prodigy, or a genius. So who really is an expert at anything is the question. Who really has a handle on their field or their line of work? And how does one go about even to do such things? We think about Pesach itself. We talked about the aspects of going about Pesach and bringing about Pesach. And I tried to break it down each week to accomplish things. So one week I was cleaning and count, doing down the countertops. Another week I went through the fridge and the freezer and the car. And then this week, of course, did the sink and the oven and the and the stovetop and the dairy oven and the covering the counters. 
And then also throughout the weeks, you know, dry mopping and, and dry vacuuming, manual vacuuming throughout the house, little by little going through things, little by little. Don't save everything for one day. Don't do everything in one day. That's also a way to expertize things. And people who are able to break Shabbos up into two days is a way that many people do is, you know, setting up on Wednesday and setting up on Thursday, doing what you can to being able to bring that to your Shabbos as well. And not even just Jewish specific items, but even not Jewish specific items like hobbies or crafts or arts or skills that you have. I myself love using my guitar. How can I use my guitar to help people? How can I use my guitar to bring music to the world? So a long time ago, I used to, you know, play in general for people and I would play in seminary just so people could hear. And one time my wife and I went with some kids when we were youth directors for a year and a half, we went to an old age home to bring music to life for them. And one time I played for a kumzitz for people and one time on Zoom I played for my wife's kids and and now I actually got the dream guitar thanks to my mom from the Martin and it sounds even better. We could use music also. I'd love for there to be a channel for my music one day. I used to have that on YouTube but took it down. But that's also a not Jewish specific way of using a love of music, a love of guitar, especially my lefty guitar. I purposely play lefty. But as Pesach is coming upon us, we think about how we became individuals with goals and ideas and missions with certain job proclivities and talents. When we left Mitzrayim, we went from a nation of slaves to a nation of individuals. The Levites, the Levium, were in Mitzrayim. There were elders, leaders of the people, but by and large... Most were building and enslaved. Once we were freed by Hashem through His agents, we were able to go about and accomplish things in our own ways through real freedom. When the Mishkan was being built, Hashem tasked two kids, two young teenagers with the goal in mind, Betzalah ben Ori and Ahaliah of ben Achai Samach, who were probably 13 at the time. They were artisans, skilled individuals with expertise in the area. Many people throughout history were needed in different roles, the Zakinim in Egypt and the desert, the Sanhedrin in the court, the shoemakers, the tanners, the water carriers and the builders, the charity collectors and the teachers. Everyone has their roles and their skills. Everyone can be an expert in some way. How can we do so? How do we build skill and expertise in a certain area? It takes practice, practice, and more practice, like learning an instrument such as the guitar, which I proudly play. Things in life take a lot of work and a lot of learning and a lot of effort. When studying a degree, we need undergrad coursework. I went to YU, and we need graduate studies. I went to LIU, Brooklyn, for my OT degree. When we train to be in different professions, often we need internships and externships and volunteer experience. And fieldwork experience, I had to have two aspects of fieldwork, level one and level two. So to in anything in life, it takes work and a lot of practice. Find your mission, work at it, do something you love and work hard to fine-tune your skill and your passion into something on an expert level. In fact, H.com points out from Serial Heaven Riegler, after six months of working for the company, it's time for your evaluation. You walk into the boardroom where three designer suit clad personnel managers are sitting behind a mahogany desk. The one on your left scans your file, looks up, up at you accusingly and says, I see here that you did not report for work at 9 a.m. one time during the entire period. The woman in the middle shakes her head and remarks, this is a Fortune 500 company. Instead of a jacket and a tie, you report for work wearing jeans. The man on the right stares at the paper in his hand and says grimly, our surveillance cameras show that you spend less than 10% of your working hours at your desk. The rest of the time, you're walking around the building. The first evaluator shoots the question, do you have anything to say for yourself? Yes, you reply with confidence. I was hired as the night watchman. 
According to the 16th century Kabbalistic master known as Arizal, no one has ever or will ever come into this world with the exact same mission as yours. The light you are meant to shine into the world is yours alone, as individual as your fingerprint, as personal as your voice print. Your mission can be interpersonal, like counseling couples with troubled marriages, Lolena, or scholarly, like researching ancient Chinese culture, or an expression of your talent, like painting landscapes or playing the violin or guitar. It can be concrete, such as establishing a home for Alzheimer's patients or abstractly manifesting the world with the divine attribute of truth or patience. can be on a large scale, like, like inaugurating the recycling system in your city, or a small scale, like caring for a child with a handicap with joy. You may have two or three different missions, which can be consecutive. After finishing one job, you start another, or simultaneous at the same time. Yet, even if there are 500 marriage counselors in your city, your particular approach and way of helping people is... Unique. Not one of us can re-replace ever. There never was a person like you. There never is exactly a person like you. And there is never another person like you ever in the future to come. Even if there's someone with the name Tani, for example, for myself, there's no one exactly like me. Even if you have an identical twin, it's not identical in nature, and it's not identical in the mission that you have. Imagine you're an undercover agent sent to Iran. You've had years of training, have two vital contacts in Tehran, and are equipped with the latest high-tech spy gadgetry. Only one thing is lacking. You don't know what your mission is. That would be crazy. Many of us go through life like that. We follow the route laid out by society, going to college like a robot. Just following and checking in, checking out, going to sleep, checking in, checking out, going to sleep. Many follow a route laid out by society, going to college, finding a job, getting married, raising a family, which is great, but with no clear sense of the mission entrusted to us, we are pulled in many different directions, feeling compromised in what we do and guilty for what we don't do, identifying our mission. According to Rabbi Arya Nevin, is the first step in leading a life of vibrancy and joy. When you intersect with your life's purpose, he explains, you feel excitement. That's why involving in myself in the Five Project, I feel very fulfilled, very content, and very excited because I know one of the things Hashem sent me on my path to do. When I do this radio show, or and afterwards as a podcast, and when I do my other podcast, my other shiur, my other audio, I love it and I feel very fulfilled. When I'm working with the kids in the public school system, I feel very fulfilled. Many different paths Hashem laid out for me, many different purposes. I'm intersecting with my life purpose. I feel joy, contentment, and excitement. What is your plan for how you propose to use the life God gives you? The CEO is not going to dole out a million-dollar budget to an employee who doesn't have a carefully worked-out proposal. We're used to praying for life, health, and livelihood as ends in themselves. In the divine accounting, however, life, health, and livelihood are simply the tools, the high-tech spy gadgetry that will enable you to accomplish your mission. Rabbi Nivenix offers two methods for discovering your mission. Ask yourself and write it down. What were the five or ten most pleasurable moments in my life? And don't tell me looking at the Grand Canyon, seeing a rainbow, watching the sunset. These are beautiful things, but that's not what I'm talking about. Not when I got my paycheck. Not materialistic things. Real spiritual pleasurable moments that you feel fulfilled. I could tell you, you know... Different times when I felt very fulfilled, very excited, and very, you know, on the money, on the mark, especially when Five was published for Hanukkah in the Good Shabbos magazine, when it was published in the Jewish Link in the summer. Those were awesome feelings, you know, when I uh, was able to broadcast my message and 
speak about the podcast on a virtual conference for the AOTA that also was awesome. These are different aspects that lead me to say, yeah, I really need to accomplish this in my life. I need to do this in my life. I really need to get this accomplished. That's the first question. The five or ten most pleasurable moments in my life. If you felt the most pleasurable, you know, healing an animal that you found, you know, wounded, for example, then maybe you should really be a veterinarian. Maybe you should really be handling the animals and taking care of that instead of being a bank teller that hates your job and hates the 9 to 5 grind. If the most pleasurable thing was when you calculated the best route for the train to take and you're able to tell it to the conductor and he said, wow, you have a knack for trains, you're like, wow. That really is what you should be doing. Maybe you should be working for New York Metro or the LAWR or Amtrak instead of, you know, uh, counting uh, the the budget accounts in the in the random store or the random company that you're involved in. The five or ten most pleasurable moments in your life. I was so happy when I got published. John may say, that's how I felt my life's calling. Not standing in front of. You know, uh, kids that don't appreciate my teaching ability and my teaching style, that's when I felt accomplished. When I stood on the stage and I gave a, a, a lecture, I felt the most fulfilled. Maybe you should be involved in that too. The five or ten most pleasurable moments in your life, identify what they were, what they have been. The second question you should be asking yourself to be an expert level in your life and finding your expertise, finding what you should be doing, if I inherited a billion dollars and had six hours a day of discretionary time, what would I do with the time and the money? I could easily answer that right now. I would self-publish Fivel. I would be a radio host full-time, and I would podcast full-time. Boom. End of question. End of story. Maybe also do some um, OT students, either Zoom or or see them in the house or or see them in general. But that wouldn't be the main bulk of my day. If I had a billion dollars and had six hours of discretionary time and I didn't have to do X, Y, or Z, that's what I would do with the time or the money. And that connects to the most pleasurable moments that I had, you know, publishing five home and seeing the the podcast go to fruition and, and being featured in different areas. And one time we were featured in Mishpacha talking about the show. That was fantastic. And one time, able to talk about different things and different aspects. These are things that I would do for myself. And the question is for yourself. A truly free person can really pursue any path, any occupation, and any aspect in life. As we come to Pesach and we think about freedom, true freedom, we think about being experts in our own life and experts in our own trajectory of where Hashem is leading us. What can we do to answer these two questions? The five or ten most pleasurable moments and inheriting a billion dollars and you had the six hours a day. What could you do with the time and the money? When answering the question, eliminate the universal transcendent moments. Like I told you, don't talk about witnessing the beauty of nature or listening to music. Your mission, of course, may have to do with nature or music, but on a much more individual level than the high all people feel when they see the Grand Canyon. Although your mission may require hard work or genuine sacrifice, when you engage in your life's mission, you experience, as Rabbi Niven puts it, the feels so good that I could do it all day long. And that's how I really feel about the Fivel Project and the podcast and radio and audio. That stuff I love to do. I'd be happy to do it all day long. Remembering Rabbi Niven's advice, the author suggests in this, of course, a serial Chavit Riegler, a very famous article from Aish, take a half hour twice a week, sit down with a pen and paper, and just start brainstorming. How can I get it to be that I could one day make the Fine Fivel series into a book, into an entire concept, 
with my characters, with the items I want to find every time. So my solution was that every week we should work on a version to be put out in a one-page installment in the newspaper. That wasn't accepted so far, though Baruch Hashem, the Pesach one, will come out, but if it could be that I, I accumulate enough that I can have half a book, 25 pictures, 25 you know, scenes, and then the other 15 pages, I'm aiming for 40 pages for the first book. I want it to be a series, that's why I call it the first book. The other could be like a word find, a word jumble, a crossword puzzle. I already started, you know, toying around with the idea, making them myself. That could be how I could go about it. So each week or each couple of weeks, I keep on accumulating another one, another one, another one in order to get a book. Some people, when they write a book, they have to do a chapter a week. The most famous way that people publish and, you know, Riva Pomerantz herself has talked about this, how she starts a serial every week. She has a chapter. After 52 weeks, she completes the whole story. Then she has 52 chapters. She sends it off to Menucha Publishers or to Tsufta or to Shar Press, and boom, she has a book. But you have to start it week by week. And that's how you could accumulate the project. That's how you could accumulate that. It's a brilliant way to really, you know, come about a book that ensures you have a book every year. If you don't have writers, block and Hashem guides you, God willing, with Hashem's, you know, ability and, and Hashem's capability to take you. But every week, tw- take a half hour, twice a week, sit down with that pen and paper, just brainstorm, write down whatever comes to your mind, the first steps, what they could be, what you want it to look like in the end. Ask Hashem for help. He can give you whatever deems you ha- you need to have opportunity to take the next steps. I want to be a radio person full-time, so I reached out over the years, and Baruch Hashem J. Root picked us up for the radio show, and Nachum Siegel has us for the partial show on Thursday nights and the radio show on Wednesday nights. Baruch Hashem, these are two major aspects for at least two of my five shows that are broadcast to a much larger audience, and that took persistence and perseverance to able to come about such a thing but you have to sit and figure out steps to get to that goal to get to that mission to get that ability i wanted to be on the radio so i made my own channel with the help of sheer enjoyment of course and uh, the help of their generous backing you know that was my goal my dream is to be on the real radio at least once a week so i created a show called tani talks radio created a channel called sheer enjoyment radio channel and we send it out to naki radio to pick us up as a channel baruch hashem and naki go to pick us up at a channel and radio.co was the format the player to do so and i had to work very diff very diligently on an app with the with the wonderful app designers thinking of the look thinking of how to go about it what to call it and how it would be set up all things that i put lots of time and effort and energy into but if you want something you have to go after it you have to create it you have to be involved in it whether it be Fival or Tana Talks Radio, whether it be any of these side projects, anything's involved, these are things you have to take weekly steps to be able to accomplish, to go with it. Hashem created you with aptitudes, talents, and interests perfectly suited to what you are charged with accomplishing. You're not, you need to follow your inclinations and abilities. You need to find what your mission is. Many times, working for a Jewish podcast.fm, Baruch Hashem, you know, taking over the reins to try to get people to join us to podcast. You too can join us, Jewish podcast.fm, if you want to make a podcast. A lot of times I'll call people and say, wow. 
you have a knack for this. Wow, Baruch Hashem, you're very creative, and I'm not creative. My wife cultivated me over the years to be much more creative, and of course, it's really all Hashem giving me the creative talents. But they say, you know, this is uh, this is good for you. This is what you should be involved in. Thank you for helping us and setting it up. I just called someone the other day, and they said, wow, you're like a breath of fresh air, which was a huge compliment for me. You have a lot of energy and spunk to help out, and I look forward to this project, and it's nice that you're involved in this aspect. I look forward after Pesach, and I felt like that was great to be involved in that. So that's also wonderful. You have to be able to figure out what to do for yourself to find your life's mission. The Tay-Sachs Association, we, never, we should never know from such things, was founded by parents of children suffering from that disease. Their challenge metamorphized into their life's mission. If your question and your mission is not yet clear to you, take that half hour between now and all the way till Rosh Hashanah and reflect on what do I really want to do with my life? What do I really want to accomplish in this life? How can I be an expert in my own life? You can work full-time developing software for Microsoft, but if you've always felt a tug to write a book about social media addiction, then maybe you should be doing that. Perhaps your greatest pleasure is tending your vegetable garden in, the, in a random suburb in Detroit, but you've always dreamed of living on an agricultural settlement in Israel. Inner urges may be whisperings from God. The secret message from headquarters disclosing your true mission. Clarity about your mission dissipates guilt for all the worthy endeavors you're not engaged in. Once you realize you're in this world to develop a new healing modality for autism, you don't feel guilty you're not volunteering for the local soup kitchen or marching on the UN to protest anti-Israel discrimination because that's not your mission, that's not your calling. You have to follow what you're supposed to do. Knowing your mission validates your life, releases you from the pernicious habit of comparing yourself to others. I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. Jonah Sock's mark on the world may be seem as deep as a crater while taking while one's taking care of their handicapped brother, which never know from such things, may seem like a fingernail impression, but from a spiritual perspective, the light that one is shining into the world is exactly the light you came here to radiate. But also, fulfilling your life mission does not exempt you from your global mission, such as supporting your family, raising your children. Starting an outreach center for the elderly may have to wait until your children are grown. For example, writing the book on social media may have to be tucked into the few spare hours you have after your full-time job when you're not dealing with your kids. I'll tell you, very odd hours, very random hours I work on the Fivel project, especially with the Illustrator. Very random hours I'll, I'll, I'll record or use a break during the day or, or at nighttime when the kids are not you know, needing my help or needing to be involved. Don't worry. The God who assigned you your mission will make sure you have everything you need, including time now or later to fulfill it. So when we think about how we became a free nation in just 48 hours, a free people this week, think about how to go about utilizing your freedom to accomplish your real mission, to be an expert level, not just on Pesach, but in your own life, in Shabbos, and in different aspects of fulfilling what you're supposed to be doing in this world. Understand real to accomplish real work in this world and real sanctifying God's name in the best and the most expert way possible. Everyone has their hour. Everyone has their place. Pirkeos teaches us in Dalad Gimel, Ein l'cha adam she'ein lo sha'av, ein l'cha davar she'ein lo makom. There is no man that does not have his hour. There is no thing that does not have its place. Even the Shulchan Aras talks about how a person can be familiar, such as a slaughterer, his experience, expertise is known well. 
you got to get your expertise in all levels, especially in Torah, as Brachos points out in 63b, as Rava points out. you got to study Torah, be an expertise in it, and then analyze and delve it into it. Use our abilities for great purposes, especially Torah, especially Chesed, especially doing mitzvahs in this world. Find what is your field of expertise. Find what you're supposed to be doing in this world. Some people have clear expertise and knowledge. Others are more subtle and hidden. As long as you have it and you can use it, the whole world will be better. Find what you can to accomplish in this world. Do what you can to bring your expertise, to bring your knowledge to this world. You can help do great things in this world. God forbid you can use expertise to damage the world. Make sure you're using it for good things. And also, as a side note, you look at all the Tanaim and the Amoraim in the Gemara. How many of them actually were involved in an actual trade? Rav Yochanan Asandler. What was his job? He was a Sandler. What's a Sandler? A shoemaker. He had a good ability to work with shoes or a natural affinity for shoes, so that's what he was doing when he was not working on the Gemara. Involved in the Gemara, he had a day job making sure to give people shoes so that they could walk around. The Rambam, the great Rambam, not only was he a great sage and a great Talmud Chacham, but he was a great doctor fulfilling his life's purpose in that way as well. Use your training, use your ability, use your expertise to help people in this world. Do what you can to contribute to this world. Different people are well-versed in different things and feel a calling to different things. I myself love Perkeyavos. I love Navi. I love agotic parts of the Daf. Those are some of my favorite things to get through in the Daf. Others might love the technical aspects of Halacha. Others might love Musar. To each their own, but fine-tune and practice whatever is your preference. They talk about in the Gemara and Yuma how some people were experts in the showbread and some people didn't know how to make the showbread. They had to bring the special craftsmen from Alexandria in order to do this because they were experts in that. The people are different experts at different areas. Do what you can to be involved in those things. Experts know that they are experts. It doesn't mean that they lack humility. Moshe was the greatest prophet who ever lived, but then Moshe knows that he was Moshe, but he still was the most humble on earth to ever have lived. Different people know their greatest in their respective fields. Awareness of one's own ability can lead to arrogance, God forbid, if you think that you possess anything greater than anyone else. You have to use what you can to do great in this world. Even if you are the foremost expert in your field, make sure not to be haughty. Be humble. Appreciate your gifts. And make sure to keep yourself in this world, understand the Bishvili Nivra Olam. Yes, the world was created for me and everybody else, but in the other one, it should say, Ani offer a for I'm dust and ashes. Use your gifts, use your skill, but don't become haughty because of it. Make sure that if you have a job or profession you're really good at and you're using your talents for it, make sure it's used in a good way, that it's worthy of your clients, but also for friends and worthy organizations. And it's wonderful to share, especially on a voluntary basis, but it is wrong for others to pressure you to do beyond what is affordable for you and for business owners, as Rabbi Dr. Mayer points out on H.com. Everyone has an ability to do what they can to be involved with a wonderful aspect of life. Looking at different things, you have to figure out what you could do in this life. Do what you can to contribute to this world and make sure to bring your ability to do great things in this world. If you have a profession, if you know it well, you can quickly assess a colleague's expertise. That you might yourself, if you are are have difficulty in a certain area like anger, you could be the des- best detector of someone who has difficulties with anger and then you can help them with that as well. 
the ability to do what you can, it's wonderful to be able to bring the aspect to life, to bring your abilities to life and do what you can. You don't have to have a mansion to help. They talk about the Kanievskis, how they had a knack for helping people. They had a small apartment. The children slept in a room filled to the brim with beds, but Rav Chaim was able to give much to the world and do great things for the world. You should be careful to use your expertise to give to the world in a wonderful way. Giving to others, doing for others, do what you can to bring to the world, to do for the world. Even a small aspect, you have a love and an expertise, you know, for dealing with books, giving to books. That's why we have the free lending library in our town as well. We want to give to the community, giving the gift of being involved in books, even on a small level. I'm not an expert at books, but I can give out books and make sure that everyone is able to have a book, a very small thing as well, to be able to be involved as well. There is the way to give to the world if you can figure out what is real expertise, what is most important in life, what is considered real success. I talked about this the other week also. Rabbi Blech points us out on ish.com. It's too bad that one of the wealthiest men in the world didn't learn the lesson until it was too late on what is real success and what is real expertise. Sam Walton was the multi-billionaire CEO of Walmart, the fourth largest U.S. corporation in the world in the U.S., as he was lying in his deathbed, he struggled to get out his last three words on earth. He had given his life for his business. In that area, he succeeded beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Yet it was at a price. He hardly spent any time with his wife, his children, his grandchildren. People often say you can make so much more in other areas. You can make so much more if you worked many more hours. And if you were in this sector or this sector as an OT, and I like to argue and say, no, I want to be home at 4 o'clock. I want to prepare dinner. I want to give a good dinner to my kids. I want to be involved in bath and in bedtime. Even though it's a sacrifice of making a lot, lot less, my friend can never understand it. You need to make 150 man, in order to be at least somewhat successful before countering how much money your wife makes. And I think... How could we cultivate, you know, our time? How could we really ever measure time with money? People never say, I wish I made more after 120 years. They say, I wish I spent more time with my kids. I wish I was home more. I wish I was a better dad, a better husband. And I wish I, I you know, was with my children or I had more children. Lola, we should never know from such things. Everyone should have many, many, many children. But this CEO barely spent any time with his wife, his children, his grandchildren, and I don't think that's a real good model to live up to. He didn't allow himself the moments of loving interaction, of cuddling a grandchild on his lap over his own children on his lap, of playing and laughing and rejoicing with his loved ones. What were his final three words? I blew it. He had the billions, but by his own admission, he had failed. You can figure out what can do in your life. And when a Braverman points out, what does it really mean to be an expert to have success and to utilize your capabilities? One time she was in a store. She couldn't reach what was on the top shelf in the store. No matter how hard she tried, how hard she stretched, she couldn't reach it. So she had to have someone else help her to get that item. It's not such a big deal, but it does make a point. There are some things I cannot be. Like I can't be a basketball player. Some people are just not good at singing. Some people are not good at, at abstract thoughts. The list goes on and on. We have limitation. That's okay. 
when our ethics of the fathers enjoins us to be happy with our lot, it means more than material possessions. It means the circumstances of our lives and includes our strengths and weaknesses, talents and lack thereof. Use your talent in the right way. Recognize our limitations professionally and in life. If we have a serious issue with our eyes, we visit an ophthalmologist instead of a general practitioner. If we have a serious psychological issue, we need to go to someone that has expertise. You grow up thinking limitations are bad because they're limiting, but really, it really teaches us what we can do what we and where we can go. You have to go and find in your life what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to be unhappy. You're not supposed to be, you know, very mad getting up every day to go to your job. That's not where you're supposed to be. Think about what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go. Think about what we can do and where we can accomplish in this world. As we come to Pesach, we come to Passover, we think about freedom. Hashem gives us the ability to redeem ourselves from ever bondage holds us. It's like winning the lottery. But you have to know, to get the lottery, you have to win the lottery. You buy a ticket to, in order to do that. To be worthy of the exodus from Egypt, our ancestors had to exert themselves to the extent of slaughtering the offering, smearing its blood on the doorpost. Today, to become worthy of the liberation, you have to exert yourself to do the Seder, to have the matzah, to drink the four cups of wine, to fulfill all the mitzvahs of the Seder. You have to also decide before the Seder, what are you enslaved to? How could I be free? How could I be an expert in my own life to avoid enslavement? There are many things that could be holding us down that we're slaves to. Anger, peer approval, materialism, jealousy, self-destructive habits, fear of commitment, impulsivity, resentment, laziness, desire to control, dishonesty, a critical nature, and the like. During the Seder, as you eat your mats in silence, commit to striving to accomplish that change. Commit to being free from any bondage and free to be an expert in your own life. This does not preclude working hard every day to overcome that bondage. By achieving true freedom, we have to admit what we need to be involved in. Don't be a slave to society, to work, to salary, to materialism, to social media narsh cut around you. Be a real free person to decide what to do with your time, what to do with your life, to develop your mission, and to have your expertise involved. Do what you can. To be an expert of your own life. Do what you can to be free within your own life. To find your mission. To follow your mission. To do what you can. As we come to Pesach in just 48 hours as we're winding up here in 2023. See what you can do to be your own individual with your goal and your idea and mission. To find your talent. To utilize your talent. To be a really true first person. Who is the real person? The Gemara talks about. We talk about Chayrut and Harut. And we talk about the idea of how we are free. The only true free person is the person that really is following Mitzvah's Torah and Chesed and using your ability to take your talents and do what you can to be involved in your different roles throughout history, throughout the time. Am I following my mission, my viewpoint? Am I an expert in my own life? Am I following my own life to do what I can to be expert in my own life, to do what I can to be truly free? And then you can master the ability to be an expert level Pesach, to be an expert level Shabbos, to be an expert level in our own life, in our own ways, and we should do so following it today. Remember the key aspects, the key ways Rabbi Arya Nevin points out. Write down the five or ten most pleasurable moments in your entire life. If you inherited a billion dollars and had six hours a day of discretionary time, what would you do with the time and the money? I have an answer to that question, Baruch Hashem. The question is, do you? Have a happy and a healthy and a wonderful Freilich and Chakashav Sameach. God willing, join us next time here on Tani Talks Radio where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep 
And I'm your host, Tani. <laughs>